I'm Stefan Sittig, and welcome to American Theater Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theater. If you've been enjoying the American Theater Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theater that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew members, and theater administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is Stephen Skybell. He most recently starred as Tevye in Joel Gray's acclaimed Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof, for which he won the 2019 Lucille Lortel Award for Outstanding Performance by a Lead Actor in a Musical. Skybell's Broadway credits include the 2015 revival of Fiddler on the Roof, Wicked, The Full Monty, Pal Joey, Love, Valor, Compassion, Café Crown, and Ah, Wilderness. During this pandemic, Skybell has been fashioning an evening of Yiddish songs that will include highlights from the Yiddish fiddler, as well as songs from the treasury of Yiddish music. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Stefan. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for being on American Theatre Artists Online podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, thank you. Uh, you know, it's crazy times, but... Uh... It's a good day, beautiful day here. I live north of the city, so we have some beautiful weather here, and um, it's uh, today's a good day. Thank you. Good. Well, yeah, it's been a tough time, you know, for people in the theater, and I know that that um, all of us are kind of, you know, rooting and hoping for when we can get back um, to theater and performing. But in the meantime, people are coping in different ways, you know, with the pandemic. Some people have moved out of town. Some people are staying in town and sort of sheltering in place. So I'm glad to hear that you're okay. Um, So, you know, those of you that, those the people that know you and that have, 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 have followed your career and those that haven't, you know, even will know that you've been doing a lot of different things over the last couple of decades and, and you've been performing in a lot of shows and um, done. You've had a, a broad career, I would say, in theater, yeah. not, not just on Broadway, but also in regional theater. You've done a lot of different plays and musicals. And, and, and now the thing that people think about the most, I think, in this present moment when it comes to you is the show that you were working on right before uh, the pandemic hit, which was um, the Yiddish Fiddler on the Roof, directed by Joel Gray, where you played Rev Tevya. Tell us about that experience. Well, you know, it's, it's, it was the experience of a lifetime, really. Um, and it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things that you, I, a career in the theater, a career at acting is one that has no real rhyme or reason to it, I have found. Mm-hmm. And I did just get an email from Equity today congratulating me on today is my anniversary of joining the Actors Union. It was 35 years ago today that I applied for membership to the Actors Union. So, wow. which is kind of crazy because because I do still feel like a bit of a kid and a bit of um, 
not a newcomer, but I, I still feel like a kid at heart, you know, so to, to put the number of 35 years in the profession is crazy. Wow. But I have found in, in, my prof, in my career that it goes here, it goes there, it goes up, it goes down. And you, when you least are looking is when something can, you know, you have to be open to, to possibilities. So um, it's not that I ever in my wildest imaginings would have thought that a Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof would be something that I would say is the, at this point, the crowning point of my career. And, um, you know, it just kind of happened by chance. My better half saw that they were doing it on Facebook and said to me, did you know they're doing this Yiddish Fiddler on the Roof and uh, that Joel Gray is directing? And I said, no. And I called, I, I usually am very hands off with my career. That is to say, I'm not always saying, get me in there. I want to be in there. I want to be seen for that. Right. I usually, I usually just let it happen as it happens and feel and have grown to feel like that's a better energy for me is what comes my way comes my way. Hmm. And so, but in this instance, I did call my agent and said, have you heard about this? And he said, no. And I, <laughs> I thought to myself, well, it's on Facebook, so you don't have to look very far. <laughs> um, so I said, I would love to be seen for it, you know, be, and so the word came back that they, they had already offered the role of Tevye to another Broadway actor, mm -hmm. but that person was rethinking the Yiddish challenge of it. So, um, I, I, I've heard also that that's not from people that that wasn't a hundred percent true, possibly that maybe there was someone they were talking to, but it wasn't that an offer had been made. But anyway, at that point I said to my agent, we'll tell them one, I have worked with Joel Gray before, which was true. And I said, and tell them two, I speak Yiddish, which was not true. But it was, <laughs> it was I was going to ask you, I was yeah. going to ask you, do you, did you have a leg up because you were fluent in Yiddish and no. no, I had studied Yiddish. Oh, I, I wow. had indeed studied Yiddish. That's so a leg up. I, I had I had it in my mouth and I had it in my ear, but I, I wouldn't say I was fluent in it. But wow. yeah. um, anyway, so I got an audition, and mm. the, you know when they the, the Folkspina, which was the theater, the it's the oldest running Yiddish theater in the world now at 105 years old. Wow. Uh, and they really know how to prepare people for Yiddish production who aren't Yiddish speakers. And when I auditioned for it, they sent all this material and it said, it said in the packet, do us a favor and do yourself a favor and listen to the Yiddish tapes, the sound files that we're sending with this. Oh, I love so you can have it in your ear and understand. And so, um, you know, it's not like I, uh, I, I mean, I, I did that, you know, mm -hmm. I would be foolish not to do that. So um, anyway, you know, I, I auditioned and uh, as chance would have it, I got cast in it. It was always meant to be um, a summer curiosity. I mean, the joke <laughs> that I have told people is that, I, you know, I have always wanted to play. I played Tepview when I was um, 17 and I played him when I was 22 wow. at summer camp and then at Yale undergrad. But I had, I had always been looking for uh, a production of Tevye uh, as an adult. I was going to say, well, you're, the, well, you're the right age to actually play. Exactly. Versus, right. And so I, I came close to it two years ago where I went in as laser wolf in the recent Broadway revival. But you know, uh, 
I don't have to tell anyone, laser's not Tebya. No, but, yeah. um, but anyway, so I, I, you know, the joke is I rolled my eyes and I said, finally, I'm in an age-appropriate fiddler, but it's in Yiddish. But that made it even more special, right? Because you, like, exactly. as, as you said, you do have a special, there's something, a special connection between you and the role of Tevya because it has been in your life throughout, as you just mentioned. And I think yeah. it's a character that you have a special long-term relationship with. So tell it's us true. tell us how you developed that. So then you you were you were cast, right? And got, yeah. Once, you know, once so, it was presented to you, what what did you do with that? Well, the thing I mean, the thing that's amazing is that we had three weeks, three and a half weeks to get it together I, again, because no one knew it was going to go on. It went on for almost two years. Yes, and it was so uh, which and it moved to a, a commercial venue on 42nd Street. So it it. Mm-hmm. it it, it was, I liked, I always called it the little musical that could yeah. because it was in Yiddish. But the, the truth is we were talking about Fiddler on the Roof. So we knew mm-hmm. that it had a pedigree that is True. very uh, proficient and admired. So mm-hmm. it's no surprise that it touched people. Mm-hmm. But so we worked very, very, very quickly on it. And I know, it, you know, it's a three hour musical. Yeah. And uh, and today, nobody in their right mind would do a three-hour musical, uh, let alone in Yiddish. But because it's Fiddler, no one seemed to care. And um, so it was it was a mammoth effort to, to get it up in three weeks. Sure. And, and the surprise for me, even though I knew Tevya, is that it, it's a gargantuan role uh, yeah. in English. You know, mm-hmm. that is to say, in the first act, which is almost two hours long, he has very little downtime. So mm-hmm. so it's, it really was about learning how to do a marathon in Yiddish. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I've said to people, if I had been cast in an obscure three-hour Yiddish musical, I don't think I, I would have thought twice about it myself. But the fact that it was Fiddler and the fact that my relationship to Fiddler goes all the way back to when I was in 1972. Mm. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and oh. I, my synagogue in Lubbock, Texas, when the movie Fiddler on the Roof came out, mm-hmm. rented the Winchester Movie Theater mm. and had, had a, a, the premiere of Fiddler on the Roof. And, you know, the, the ladies auxiliary or whatever, the Hadassah group, the ladies group sure. made, made all sorts of Jewish delicacies oh. that were served at the intermission. And that's just to say, (laughs) Fiddler Fiddler goes way back for me, and and without even knowing it, I had I've I've kicked around Tevya for forty years, forty plus years. So things in rehearsal just made sense to me, and I just could, and certainly with Joel Gray, because I'll tell you this: working with Joel Gray on Fiddler on the Roof was the experience of a lifetime, because he wasn't interested in doing. you know, yet another uh, routine investigation of Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he had seen it in its out-of-town tryout in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. before it went to Broadway ori- originally. Mm-hmm. And so he had amazing ideas about what he always knew the musical was that he felt it had, that had never been um, explored. Wow. So we had this director who was really wanting to go deep into this musical and because I have I've had such a lifelong fascination with the musical and fascination with the characters um, 
there just there just was a connection to it that uh, an actor it's very rare for an actor and it's a joy to have a role every role should be that for an actor that they plummet as deep as they can but then there's the few that they have contemplated all their lives or Mm -hmm. for a great time of their life so that to me was a luxury to be able to really rely on that as we were trying to put it on in Yiddish. Yeah, and so a lot of people that I've talked to who saw the show in Yiddish, yeah. the Yiddish version that, that you worked on with Joel Gray, um, they have told me that there's something special that happens to the show. And these are people that have seen Fiddler, have seen many yeah. a production of Fiddler, and you know it's been revived on Broadway several times in my yeah. lifetime. So um, what do you think I mean, obviously, but there's an obvious reason why, because it's Yiddish. But I mean, what what do you think the Yiddish brings out in the show that is not available to audiences in the English version? Well, I, I mean, there many things, several things come to mind immediately. One is that it is it is the equivalent of doing Moliere in French or mm. doing Chekhov in Russian. It is the language that these, that one, that Sholem Aleichem mm-hmm. wrote these characters in. Mm. So it is, I mean, I know that some of the comments about our production talked about the 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 authority of it that it 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 really is you know goes back to a source in terms of having these people speak in the language they would have spoken um that's one thing the and and i'll tell you the first time i read the script and i again i want to reiterate i'm not a yiddish speaker but hearing this familiar fiddler text in yiddish i broke down crying just reading it there is something very um moving about it and um another aspect of yiddish two things about yiddish one is that it is i heard someone say this and it moved me deeply when i heard it which is it is a language without a country that's that is the uh, the essence of what yiddish is it's it is the language that survived as the jewish people were in their diaspora and were wandering throughout the world so it is the language that unified the jewish people but it had no homeland of its mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. and so in that respect it is a wandering language and so it gathers it gathers words from everywhere that the jewish people settled and so in that respect it's very moving because it's 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 like a map of of everywhere the jews were and then another aspect of it which uh, i felt uh, responded to very strongly playing tevya is that it is such a you know if everybody everybody always says you know what's your favorite yiddish word or what's your favorite yiddish you, you know yiddish saying there are so many yiddish sayings that really cannot be said in mixed company i mean or you know in gentrified company that is to say yiddish is very um it's very visceral and it it really holds no punches and i love that about it but in the same time it is so it goes down to the ground it's very earthy but it's also very spiritual so there's there's um references to hebrew and to the bible yeah. just in the in the language as well as in the yiddish fiddler on the roof so that tevya talks to god he's a man he's you know he's a, a dairy man but he yearns to have this spiritual connection and i feel like yiddish itself goes in two directions like that too is, um, and so, yeah, is, it easier, is it easier to sing 
in Yiddish? Because, you know, opera singers will say, oh, Italian's so much easier, you know, so many open vowels yeah. than English. Uh, was it easier since you've done Fiddler in English and now yeah. doing it in Yiddish? Is it easier to sing in Yiddish? Is it more well, open? Well, I'm going to say no. It's no. I mean, <laughs> Yiddish is pretty, it's a pretty um, uh, challenging um, language in terms of, I mean, uh, the ch, yeah. which is a very distinct sound for Yiddish and a Jewish sound. Um, so that is not necessarily the, the best sound to be singing in. Right. So is it but, harder? Is it harder to do eight shows a week in the Yiddish? Well, it's, it's taxing. But the yeah. thing I, I mean, the thing, I, the thing I, I learned from doing it and the thing I loved about the language challenge, because I'm all, I also um, have done a lot of Shakespeare in my life and mm -hmm. I actually have ended up teaching Shakespeare at various institutions. And the, I really drew upon my Shakespeare muscle, which is to say Shakespeare's in English, but it's an English that is a little bit like a foreign language. Yeah. So the challenge for the Shakespearean actor is to make this language seem like true communication, mm. like life is, is passing through you. Uh, and the thing I love about Shakespeare as well as the Yiddish is that the sounds are so vibrant you can really chew on them and they really give life there's so much life just in the language and so i loved singing i loved singing fiddler in yiddish and the the question is you know <laughs> what will it be like if when i ever sing it again in english because what will that it, bring maybe it'll bring new depths because you have yeah, sung in yiddish yeah just like when you do shakespeare i mean i i you know did i have another question about sort of, you know, the history of Fiddler, right? Because this is a, it's a seminal American musical. It's, it's one of the greats, right? And, you know, was, was the ghost of Jerome Robbins everywhere when you guys were doing this, as in sometimes in other productions, or did this have a different feel? Because, you know, the original, you know, the very, Jerome Robbins, the director choreographer, was heavily part of the original production yeah. and creating some of the numbers, right? Those of us in musical yeah. theater know that, or creating sort of the genesis of sort of tradition and some of the other. Um, all of them. Yeah, sure. all of them probably. You know, he had a very strong hand. Did you guys feel that? Or was this really a whole new piece with well, Joel's? The, I'm going to say the thing that's interesting is that, and I know that in the past there was, I don't know if it's still a stipulation that the choreography must remain the Jerome Robbins choreography. I don't think that's the case anymore. No, I think that, that's changed. Yeah, I think you can yeah. do it. And if you choose to, they'll send you all the notation. Yeah, but our choreographer, Stash Kmiech, what there's a whole sort of inner circle of people who learned the fiddler choreography at the foot of Jerome Robbins or at the foot of people very closely associated with Jerome Robbins. So Stash really was able it, it, uh, to, to tell us what Jerome Robbins, how he directed it and about not even just the choreography, but the movement or the, sure. the, the theories stadium, behind yeah. The staging. Yeah. And so I feel like without feeling there was a burden of Jerome Robbins, we really were being sort of spoon fed so much of what he brought to the production that made it unique. And an example of that would be is that Jerome Robbins was insistent that everyone in the company have a name and, and everyone know everybody's name, mm. the name they chose as their townspeople so that it wouldn't just be Tevya, his family, and then everybody else. Right, you know, that number, it, number three, right. Right. So we did that, you know, and, mm. and, Stash, and Jerome Robbins had been insistent that everybody sort of 
have a biography about their character. And yeah. so we also, everyone did that. So our, our company, we, we actually stood on the shoulders of Jerome Robbins to kind of get that real shtetl feel mm. uh, for Fiddler. But of course, um, Stash was able to bring new things to some of the choreography and... Um, mm -hmm. And, and you mentioned you mentioned earlier on that Joel had some things in his up his sleeve that he sort of wanted yeah. to do that were slightly different. Could you give us an example of one of those, or can you share I, that, or is that okay? I, no, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, an example. I mean, I mean, so many things. I, I, I can't. I, I just want to say again. I want to reiterate um, that Joel Gray. We know him as this, uh, uh, you know, celebrated, award-winning. Um, actor performer he actually he actually doesn't like the word performer or mm. entertainer he really is an actor, actor. but yeah. on top of that he and i i had worked with him before and i had known this before that he is actually an incredible director mm. and and because he's such an actor he really knows how to talk to actors and yeah. knows how to uh, excite actors um, but an example, so, so many times in rehearsal, he would say something and, I, and my first thought would be, really? And then it would be, oh, I mean, like a light bulb would go off that mm. I understood that uh, I was sort of maybe sitting back on my received notion of what Fiddler was or this moment was. And Joel was like saying, but is it or why does it have to be? Mm. Um an, an example, though, that I'd love to talk about, it, and a lot of people who saw the production talked about this, is that in the second act, when when Golden Tevye sing "Do You Love Me," mm. it was it was he he gave such careful, detailed understanding of why that song is there, and the sort of the sort of crass reception of it is that Tevya says, do you love me? And Gold is like, what? You know, she just sort of screams, you know, and, and that's, and that's the joke of it. And we move on. Right. But hmm. the, the, but Joel really made us see, he first said that, that this musical is about that word love. And it, it comes in very early in the musical with Laser at the end, when Laser says to Tevya, I'll be good to your daughter. I like her. And so that's this idea of affection have anything to do with marriages is this novel notion right. that finally in the second act, Tevya is saying to his wife, is this something that you and I can even consider? We never talked about it. It wasn't mm. even part of our landscape that love would be something that a, a married couple would even talk about. Mm. And the thing I love about it is that it's Tevya who brings it up and it's Golda that has the answer. She, he's waiting for her to confirm it on them. Mm. And, you know, and, and that to me is, it's, it really is a song about Golda, uh, saying maybe i don't maybe i maybe i don't love you you know maybe that and so and so he asks it you know five seven times in the in the number do you love me and so rather than letting that just be a refrain joel was in I, joel and i together every time has to be a new dare to sort of say i'm not gonna let this go mm. and uh, you know and so many people responded to that that it really was in some ways the 
the centerpiece of the show was this number, which often is just a sort of breather in the in the mm. second act. Yeah. But in some ways, we're moving towards that, and their lives are there. I mean that, and again, ha- having had just had my thirty fifth anniversary of the union, to be in a musical where middle aged people get to. <laughs> move from a to g that that's a really wonderful thing and so this married couple who've had five children and have married off three of the daughters now they are moving into a new place in their relationship is a really wonderful novel thing to see in a musical right and that number is really about what it takes to sustain a long-term relationship Right? right, but a long marriage, yeah. right? And it's more than yeah. just love. It has to be all those other things too. And wow, what a wonderful way to approach the material. And it sounds like you and Joel um, really uh, had a great working collaboration and relationship. And so I think that's wonderful. And it, 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 it definitely shows up on stage and, and be able to interpret those things in different ways. Um, so you've already shared a lot about, about this production and how it's meaningful to you. But yep. what was... How was being a part of this special production changed you? So what, what about it, you know, did you not know going in, not just about it, but about you, that now you know on the way out? Well, um, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, as you say, I, I've had a, I've had a, I've had a blessed career. I've, I've loved my career. It's been a varied career. Um, it, you know, I've, I have played, I've played Hamlet. I've, I've led shows and I've been a supporting character in productions, um, and have enjoyed it all. The, the thing about Tevya is that, um, to really, to really, lead a company was a real challenge and an honor for me to get to do it mm-hmm. and um i loved every every minute of what it was to sort of um help lead a company you know sure. but the thing i love about tevye too is that it's not like it's oedipus that it's the king <laughs> he's he's really kind of low man on the totem well he's he's learning um, and growing as the show goes as well absolutely right? so, yeah i mean and the, and the thing i just wanted to say is that you know thankfully because i know so many performers who whose runs were cut short by the pandemic yeah. or whose openings were never materialized because yeah. of the pandemic and it is it, i am thankful that our production in new york city closed right before pandemic hit yeah. um it was in january uh, right you guys closed it in january. January. Yeah. and how long yeah. did you run so you mentioned that you were in um you were downtown first and then you were on 42nd street is that it yeah right it was at the the oh now i can't think of the name of the was theater, it theater but, row uh, no, it was, no. um, it used to be called the little Schubert, um, oh. but it's, wow, it's, it's, it's one of, it's the largest, uh, off Broadway house, commercial house, uh, uh, on off Broadway. Oh, wow. Um, okay. and I mean, and so, and they, and again, they wanted, I, I can't think of the name. I don't know why I can't. Oh, but, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. We'll find, yeah. we'll find it and put it in there. But what? It used to be called the little Schubert. Oh, it's called, I can't remember. Something like 42nd Street Theater, uh, Theater 42. Theater 42. Oh, Theater 42. Called. Yes, I've been in that theater. Okay, yes, yes, yes. So, okay, yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that it's one seat shy. You know, the, your listeners <laughs> may know, may not know that uh, the distinction between Broadway and off-Broadway is literally the size of the auditorium. Correct. Is what 
is what dictates that. And so our our house that we moved to, because Joel was uh, everybody, but Joel and the producers who moved us did not want the move to take this very sort of spare, minimal, bare bones production and then try and broad Broadway fire, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. and so they wanted it not, they wanted the theater not to be too large. Hmm. But um, but we're what we were one seat shy of Tony nominations, and so we won we won so many nominations and so many awards um, for yes. in the off Broadway category. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But um, uh, but, but so what? Uh, what but what you yeah. were saying? I mean, the reason I asked that is that it had a development. You were talking about how it closed right before the the pandemic. Right. So you had a full run, right? So you were able to we run in the show for run. how long? Uh, we were, we were planning, there There was a tour that was in the works, which sadly has been uh, postponed. Sure. Uh, but I am happy to tell you that the first port of call was to be China. And so oh, wow. um, I, I, am, I am, you know, yeah. grateful that we didn't go to China in the face of the pandemic, the pandemic. not knowing maybe. But, but there was a there was a China a tour that was going to we were going to go to China then there was there's some uh, an Australian production was uh, it wasn't going to be us because uh, the Australian production was going to coincide at the same time that the Los Angeles production was going to open. so this, this show will have a future when the pandemic is absolutely is resolved, that's hopefully. the hope yeah. that is the hope and so you it'll know? have legs because it's been so wonderful and people have responded to it so strongly. Um, in yeah. New York City, and you know, and it's been talked about. Uh, I think people around the country and the world know about this production. So, and um, I just want just yeah. to say one more thing because yes. you did ask, you know, like what the production <laughs> gave me Absolutely. is that you know I I've always I've loved Fiddler on the Roof um, my entire life, and and the fact is the fact that I can have I now am a part a small part of the history of this musical mm. and and rather than rather than say oh I was in the you know 2016 revival as Laser Wolf I can say but I was actually in that Yiddish production which you know which sort of feels a, a slightly unique in the history of this musical well, yeah it's and like creating have, it's like creating a new role yeah so <laughs> to have been a part of that to to have to we we did the cast recording uh it's a beautiful two cd set with not only everything in yiddish including all of jackie hoffman's monologues as yenta in yiddish um but then there's some there's like the songs that didn't make it into the final english production that they got a, all this cavalcade of stars to sing these sort of forgotten songs from fiddler on the roof so it's a really beautiful cd set and so i'm just so honored and proud to have been a part of that as well well that's wonderful Stephen. And, and it sounds like you know it really came at a good time in your career like you said you were the right age for it it was the pinnacle yeah. so far and you know you have a lot more to go but you you know yeah. you didn't start with devia and so there's been a whole history uh, of your work as you've mentioned uh, briefly but on Broadway your credits from you know you were in the 2015 revival I know that of Fiddler you also I know you were in Wicked The Full Monty Pal Joey yeah. Love Valor Compassion so you've done plays yeah. Cafe Crown uh, Wilderness yeah. you've done plays as well as musicals and that I think is a really interesting uh, thing to find in an actor when you're able to to go back and forth and as you said you've done Shakespeare and I, yeah. I, I that, that ability to do that breadth of work is really wonderful. So how did you first come to acting in theater? Was it, you know, going back a little bit, so we've been talking a lot about right now. Let's take a yeah. little bit of a, a step back. How, how did you first 
encounter theater and was well, it something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, I take you all the way back to Lubbock, Texas, uh-huh. where I where I grew up. And um, uh, when I was ten years old, this is all. This is really true. When I was ten years old, there was a theater, a community theater, mm. the Lubbock Theater Center, which is still in existence, mm. and they had a children's theater, the Lubbock Children's Theater. And so my, bro- I was the youngest of four, so I often did things that my si- older siblings did. My brother kind of had been enrolled in the children's theater program, and he he enjoyed it, but he didn't pursue it after one stint. But I said to my parents I think that would be something I'd like to do so I started doing plays when I was 10 years old and I am fond of telling some of my students that whatever got me started wanting to do plays when I was 10 is still the same thing you know it's still pretend it's still uh, you know you you use your imagination to uh, you know so many things that I did when I was 10 I'm still getting to do uh, my uh, almost 60 years old but that's I I started doing plays when I was 10 years old I loved it and I said this is something I want to do and so um you know, I, I, I very early on, I started taking singing lessons mm-hmm. in Lubbock. And um, then I went to the National Music Camp, Interlock in Michigan is an oh, arts camp. And yeah. so I, I was able, that is where I was able to be the boys, the girls, because there were so many girls enrolled there, mm-hmm. had to either choose whether they wanted to pursue musicals or Shakespeare. Those were the two mm-hmm. venues. And so the boys were able to do both musicals and Shakespeare. And so it was already in my teens. I was doing plays, but I was also doing musicals. And I was doing Gilbert and Sullivan operettas. And so I, 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 mean, I mean, again, to tell you honestly, I knew I could sing and I knew I had a voice, but I, I didn't really think of myself as a, as a musical singer. And certainly I, I always loved singing. And I even at a, t- a time when I came to the city pursued classical music and I did some operas and I enjoyed that as well. But I only with the Yiddish Fiddler did I finally start to really feel like a singer mm. as well as an actor. And um, well, having seen but, uh, you, having seen you on stage, I remember yeah. when I saw you at arena stage, playing King Arthur uh, with Mary Jane. We went to see you. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I've seen hundreds of King Arthurs. I've seen Camelot a million times. There was a humanity to your King Arthur, which other than Richard Burton, I couldn't, you know, which I've only heard of and seen clips of. um, Right. I I hadn't seen in that role, Stephen. Mm. You have, uh, I've always, it's an approach to acting first and the singing is yeah. just something that, that is part of it and, 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 you know, it's part of what you do in a musical. But it, the acting was never out of, you know, what you were doing. It was always part, part and the first thing that led you uh, in that role. Yeah. And that, I thought, yeah. told, told, it sounds like that's what you're talking about a little bit here, that the, the, the acting that's, came first. That is it. Yeah. That is it. I mean, I, I I see myself as an actor first, and I love music, and I certainly love musical theater, um, but I always love the, the music that supports the, the drama as opposed to, um, you know, mm-hmm. some musicals can be more about the singing as opposed sure. to the story that's being told. Yeah. That's not necessarily the kind of musical that I think I'm best suited for. And you seem um, to gravitate, you know, and they gravitate to you. The roles that you've yeah. played um, are right. are descriptive of that. That's right. That's great. Uh, so what happened? Uh, so, yeah. so so you interlock yeah. in, 
then so I went to Interlock and 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 I also played the piano and so I, mm. not only was I pursuing theater at Interlock and I was also pursuing piano at Interlock and mm. and it was at Interlock and where I realized well if I pursue piano I'm going to be spending the rest of my life in a practice room all by myself ah. and if and if I pursue theater I'm going to be with people and yeah. um, and I saw so I mean and this is true I really looked around at these teenagers uh, we were all high school and younger but so many accomplished musicians you know very accomplished musicians and performers uh, actors and singers and I looked around and I said I cannot even hold a candle to some of these pianists you know mm. I don't have that kind of dedication to sitting in a practice room well, yeah it's a lonely and, it's a lonely craft yeah, yeah. and I, I thought so it was there that I said you know what I love the piano and I love music but I'm gonna go with acting and so 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 and and the crazy thing is um, you know I, I know people who've had their parents not support them in their choice to be an actor sure. uh, but my parents did support me and they mm. they remember they came up to Interlochen and they met with my acting teacher <laughs> and they said can he really pursue this and she said I think he could I think he could it's no guarantee ever in the profession but I think he could so then so then I, I went on to yeah I went to Yale undergrad which mm. is not necessarily the most logical place to pursue acting but I at that yeah. time Yale did have a pre Pretty amazing extracurricular and still does yes. uh, the undergrad an extracurricular theatrical being there's so many shows being done at Yale undergrad and then I thought and if I want to go if I could go to the drama school at least I will have been at Yale and maybe that would be an in yeah. little did I know that that would be that's not the way it works you know that <laughs> Yeah. Um, but but anyway, so I studied theater when I was at Yale undergrad. I did many plays, but of course, it was a great education. Beyond well, I was going to say, yeah, you went to Yale. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's right. not, that's not bad. <laughs> and then I and then I did end up going to the Yale School of Drama. So I I, I did pursue acting on the graduate level oh, at Yale as well. Oh, and, great. Um, and so by then, you know, so then at all every step of the way, you know, uh, there were setbacks, but mostly I felt like. Um, this was something that people seemed to respond that uh, what I'm doing and I felt encouraged and I certainly felt like I wanted to do it. I mean, I know I had so many friends in, in high school and junior high and they said, you know, I, they said they wished they knew what they wanted to do. And I always knew this was what I wanted to do. And I know that in some ways that can be a curse because I was blinded, bl blinded to any other anything else yeah. and you didn't um, have a fallback but, as they say right <laughs> i it's just what i wanted to do and yeah. you know and it's what i've done thankfully it's what i've done and i and i love and i love doing it and yeah um, and, and you do it really well and and and, and yeah. you've and, and the range of things that you've been able to do and also i think it must be interesting for you since you've been doing it now for a while to be yeah. able to see the different roles that you're able to inhabit as you age as you get older as you have more life yeah. experience Right. from when you first started, right? Have you noticed that there, I mean, there's a much more interesting perhaps range of things that you can do now. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Cool. You know, I mean, and again, another thing just to keep, I don't mean to be coming back to Tevye, but the no, thing please. about, 
the thing is that, of course, I played him at, at 17. And, and when you play him at 17, all you're really thinking about is how to play an old man. That's all you see is like, well, how do I play this old man? But then when you play him in the age appropriate, I, the thing I learned playing him now is that how, how young at heart he is and yes. how hopeful he is, how childlike he is in, his, in, in certain ways about mm-hmm. how he bounces back when the world pushes him down. Oh, so, yeah. He has to um, keep navigating, right, through all the yeah. changes. Because basically the show is about the changing of tradition and all these different things that are happening to his daughters yeah. and to his that are affecting him, right? And so and, how and does he... And, and the, the world. And the world around him. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Was there, yeah. was there something special also about performing... I don't know if this is uh, performing this show and this role, Teviot, during this period that we're in in American history right now, where things are sort of tossed and turned and, and we've got a lot yeah. of, of, of strife. Was there something in that story for you as well for the changing? Absolutely. Times? Absolutely. I mean, again, um, you know, um, they, they, they say that since the time Fiddler opened on Broadway, it has been performed every day somewhere in the world, wow. you know. Yeah. And Sheldon Harnick, who again, I'm happy to say I now have a personal relationship to him. Oh, wow. he, has, he has said every time Fiddler's done, it is horribly relevant. You know, yeah. and so um, in that it is a, it is also it's a musical. It's a beautiful musical about a family and about tradition and about innovating your worldview. But it also is a musical about intolerance and what one people can do to another people. And so while we were performing Fiddler downtown and, and just again to reiterate, our first venue was the Museum of Jewish Heritage, which mm-hmm. is at the very tip of lower Manhattan. It is in the shadow of the Statue of Liberty. Mm. And it is actually the Holocaust Museum, except they call it the Museum of Jewish Heritage. And to be doing this musical there Mm. uh, was very meaningful to begin with. But while we were performing it there is when the the shootings happened at the Tree of Life Synagogue in in Pittsburgh. And, and, you know, Mm. which, which was the largest terrorist attack on Jews on American soil ever. Mm. And um, wow. so to and so to be singing If I Were a Rich Man, where really the culmination of Tevye's dream is that he'll have all the time in the world to sit in the synagogue all day long. Okay. And and then to sing that song knowing that there 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 is no guarantee in twenty 20- 2019 as there was in Tevye's time that the sin they would burn synagogues right. they would there's no safety would, you know, yeah there's no there's no guarantee that that's a safe space and wow. that became painfully um true uh, while we were performing it we also had a an evening when we were uptown our producers organized for national refugee day international refugee day mm. um an entire audience of of were of global refugees um the the entire theater was was bought out for that purpose and then we had a talk back afterwards so there were people who had fled their homes from all over the world who who didn't who weren't even jewish of course and um but the experience the the refugee experience experience they identified with it and and the, uh, there is a message in Fiddler, which is we have to try and find a better way in a world where um, where there's so much division and intolerance and and mm. to really try and find a way where 
people of dif- of differences can live side by side in their differences. You know, yes. um, that, that's the, that is the message. Yeah, and I think that when Fiddler was done originally on Broadway, it was also you know the '60s and going into yeah. a ter- very turbulent time of the late '60s in America, also. So it's interesting exactly. the parallels. But so tell us a little bit about what you're working on now. So Fiddler closed in January, right? So I assume right. that that's giving you a little bit of you need a little couple of months to recuperate. <laughs> and right, have- right. That's true. That is true. I mean, uh, it was like, uh, it was, it was the, I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my career. Sure. Without, without, you know, yeah. um, but, and then, so then uh, the, the, the truth is because I live north of the city and I live in a very beautiful setting on a lake. And so, and I was already quote unquote unemployed when <laughs> pandemic hit sure. and my better half basically works remotely anyway so our daily life did not change greatly in the kind of social distancing uh, quarantining existence sure. um but but what i was what i have been able to do which I, i've i've loved this so much is the the gentleman who runs the folksbina zalman Mlotek, who was also who was the conductor of our yiddish fiddler mm-hmm. and who is a yiddish speaker we have been meeting once a week via zoom for months now we we started in person and then that ended because of pandemic mm-hmm. but we, I have been um, putting together because there were plans. Again, I'm telling you, I don't really see myself strictly as a singer. But after the Yiddish Fiddler, uh, there were so many organizations, concert venues that wanted to hear more Yiddish, hear me sing more Yiddish, mm. more Fiddler Yiddish, and more Yiddish, Yiddish, Yiddish. <laughs> so with Zalman, um, I. The plan was we were to, we were to already be performing this evening of Yiddish song, but but because of everything being delayed, he and I have been able to work so deeply in uh, learning the catalog of Yiddish music, and I, I mean, yeah. uh, in terms of what you and I are saying about, I'm drawn to the story and the character more than just the notes of a song, and if there if Yiddish Yiddish song. I'm telling you, these songs are unbelievable because mm-hmm. they are so deep and so funny. Uh, they are everything we know about Yiddish, and and they really chronicle the entire experience of of the Jewish people in, uh, in all of its aspects, which is the heyday of the Yiddish theater on the Lower East Side, which was basically the birthplace of the Broadway musical. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the Holocaust and try, you know, trying to um, e- express and explore things through song, uh, the, the most awful experiences on earth, you know? Mm, so, sure. so Zalman and I have been meeting once a week and I've been just learning songs with him and I'm, you know, he tells me now jokingly, I have enough songs for three evenings. Um, <laughs> so you're I planning on doing a, you're doing a, putting together a show that would be, would it be just you or are there other people singing or is it well, a one person? I mean, show? it would be, I, the, again, because I was having requests and so some of the people I would say, sure, I can come with a piano or I can come with a a musical group, you know, an ensemble. But then I also was saying, well, if you bring if you bring the gal Jen Babiak who played Golda, yes. you can get more fiddler songs for your buck, you know. Yeah. So, um, so the idea and Zalman, I can sing with Zalman. So the, he and I are fashioning this this 
evening, which can be all sorts of things. You so know, it's still it in, you're still in, you're still found, you're still working on it right now, developing yeah. it as we speak. That's great. Yeah. And so there's still not a title or there's not sort of a no, no, full no. concept. It's just even Skybell's evening of Yiddish <laughs> song. Right. Um, you know, but there are maybe, you know, with Zalman, there already is also the plan that we will make a recording of it. I'm just, oh, sure. I, I'm excited about it. I'm just, uh, it really is giving me life. Um, oh, sure. It sounds wonderful. Taking this Yiddish fiddler, whatever the spark that was that was struck for me, just with fiddler in Yiddish, it's it's the next step for me, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm just having the time of my life. It really has given me so much to chew on in this mm-hmm. very kind of crazy time. Yeah, and, you, uh, and I, you, know, you know, as theater starts to hopefully knock on wood, cross fingers, all those things reopen. Uh, in yeah. 2021 or whenever that's going to happen. Um, yeah. What I'm hearing is that producers are looking for pieces that are smaller in scale. They're not yeah. looking for 30-person musicals because that's right. harder to manage. The audiences can be managed. The actors right. on stage, not so much. So a small evening right. where there's a few people singing with some musicians is much more likely to be something that can be produced early on uh, in 2021 rather than a big musical. Right. So you may be onto something. This could be something that's, yeah, that's well, done in New right. York. Like, Called Stephen Skybell's social distance Yiddish evening. <laughs> there you go, perfect. How do you harvest <laughs> but, uh, this social yeah. distancing? But it's Yiddish. definitely <laughs> something that that I, yeah. I, I want. I want to, you know, Wonderful. I want to do uh, in in conjunction with trying to take Fiddler. I said this when we did Fiddler in Yiddish because Yiddish is all over the world. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 a no brainer to travel not only with the Yiddish Fiddler but with this evening of Yiddish song because wherever you go. Yeah, there's Yiddish speakers or people, you know, I'm also fond of telling this story and I know time is short, but just that one of the our greatest admirers of our Yiddish fiddler was Christine Ebersol, who is as far oh. from Jewish as that <laughs> can be. And she saw our show twice and she just was a basket case both times. Oh. And, you know, it's not that it drew upon her Jewishness, but there was something about the Yiddish that just moved her deeply. And I, and we've, we've had that as well. So an evening of Yiddish song is not necessarily something that the you know the, the Jewish community centers want but I'm, I really do believe it's something that all people can you know chew, chew on and get something out of it absolutely uh, yeah yeah I think it would have universal appeal and and you know it's amazing when you talk to people who are um, in another country and are watching yeah. a production and whether they're watching the production in English or yeah. you know people in Japan enjoy shows in English they enjoy shows in Yiddish I'm sure too because for them that's something totally different and you really have to lean in and sort of feel the heart of the piece you're not worried so yeah. much about the words because it's a language you don't speak but you can still right. hear and feel the language with the words that's it that's, that's it. it. Well, Stephen, you've got some amazing stuff going on, and I'm really excited yeah. about this project of the evening of of uh, Yiddish songs. It sounds like a wonderful companion piece, or on its own as well, to to be yeah. done as we move into 2021, which is just around the corner, hopefully, and right. and, and we'll be turning that corner soon. So, thank you yeah. for sharing everything about your your experience with Tevye and the Yiddish fiddler, but also a little bit more about you. Um, yeah, well, with thank us. you, <laughs> Thank you for being on our podcast. And um, if people want to find out more about the Yiddish, um, the, the Yiddish evening of songs, where could they, can they, do, I don't know how big you are on social media or do you? Well, I have, I have, uh, I guess the best place is Stephen Skybell at Instagram is a, is a, okay. uh, like a professional site. I, I mean, I'm, I have to tell you, I have a website that is 
is in the works. It's not yet been launched, but stevenskybell.com will be coming in okay. the next few weeks or months. So Great. that would also be a place for them to find information or to contact. Them. Right. And I'm sure that once you have something ready to show the world, you guys will be promoting it and you'll be putting out there. Maybe we'll have you back to talk about the actual show when you have it. I'd love ready that. To go. I'd love that. Thank you so much, Stephen, for being on American Theatre Artists Online. Thank you, Stefan. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care.